As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Coach. Coach. Put it in the From CHGO, it's Adam Ho, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. It's one of the craziest games that I've covered live. That crazy for me. I feel like, how many times a season do we say that? Yeah, but this one, like, I know. In the red zone. (laughs) I'm I'm not disputing what you're saying. I'm just like, how does this franchise keep doing that? Anyway, uh, who cares? Here they are, the Adams. Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in Hogan Johns with you from Arizona at the owners' meetings, basically literally baking in the sun. Very right much now. so. Where's yeah. your uh, tanning lotion? I don't know. I feel like I've lost everything. You some. It's been quite the morning. Uh, we got an exciting show for you today, though, because Matt Eberflus is sitting down with us here in Arizona. We've kind of made this a tradition at the honors meetings uh, to at least get the head coach, and uh, he was kind enough to do that again. So we're really excited about that. Um, also had breakfast with uh, Flus at the NFC Coaches Breakfast this morning. And, uh, of course, yesterday we heard from Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren. Um, and we're here. We're going to hear from George McCaskey later on today. So we'll get into all those takeaways Later on in the show, but I, I'm sure everyone wants to hear right, right away from Matt Eberflus. So we're going to jump right into it, our conversation with the Bears head coach. All right, well, we're excited to once again bring in the head coach of the Chicago Bears, Matt Eberflus, on the Hogan Johns. Thanks for jumping on today. Oh, yeah. I always enjoy it. Appreciate you having me on. Matt, first question. How many push-ups did you do before the annual coach's picture? Zero. <laughs> I did zero push-ups and, and uh, yeah, zero. Do you know, everybody's kind of talking about that picture. Yeah, my bit. girls keep me informed. You know, <laughs> yeah. they're 23 and 17, so they keep me informed of the stuff that's out there, but uh, pretty funny. Well, I'm going to have to get some workout tips or something because, I mean, it's working. I got, I, I can put some <laughs> muscle on these arms. It's yeah. mass. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they have these things called mesomorphs and ectomorphs, and I'm not sure which one you are, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. got, the skinnier one. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, again, thanks for jumping on with us. We, I, I, I've been very fascinated just from like the last couple of weeks of talking 
whether it's to you this morning or with Ryan a couple times as you guys have added players, just how involved you, not only you are, but it sounds like your coaching staff. Yeah. And um, it sounds like a lot of that, and, and Ryan talked about this yesterday with us, just your background in recruiting, mm-hmm. like he sees that scouting ability in you and trusts your opinion to that level. That and, and So where does that come from? No, it's just, uh, you know, the years of experience that I had, uh, 18 years in college coaching and, you know, you know, traveling, you know, to high schools and visiting with the high school coaches and then going to, you know, back in the day, they used to have these combines, these regional combines where you'd see these players. And uh, I remember one time when I was in Beaumont, Texas, and they had this regional combine and I was watching this guy from Jasper, Texas, and, and I kept watching him and seeing his movement skills and. Um, you know, I went over to the uh, to the coach the next day, and it was Sean Witherspoon. You know, and he's uh, was played for us at Missouri, and uh, obviously had a great pro career in Atlanta. Um, and but uh, I saw that skill set there at that pro at that uh, regional combine that they had back then, and that was at Beaumont High School. But uh, but I love doing that. That's why I enjoy going to the pro days. Uh, that's so enjoyable for me because we get to look at the movement skills of the athlete, uh, be it offensive line, defensive back, receiver, whatever it might be, and uh, getting a chance to do that. And then really visiting with Ryan afterward and, and comparing our notes and what do we see, you know, what do we think about the athlete, and uh, how does he fit into our vision um, for our football team. Do you have, like, favorite drills you like to see? You mentioned movement skills. Like, yeah. what are you specifically looking for? And I guess how has that changed uh, from from now or to to go back in time to when you were looking at college recruits. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you have put the guys in position specific drills, um, that's always very important. Um, but you can see the athlete. You know, they've adjusted and changed the ones that the combine, which I think is good uh, to some degree. But you can certainly see it uh, in space. You know, with the space players, and then you, know, you see these linemen, the ability for them to have balance. Um, they have flexion in their lowers. To be able to uh, maintain that balance when it gets off, when it gets off a little bit, and you can see that during those pro days and you know during the combine drills. You mentioned Witherspoon. Are at the pro level? Are there any guys that you know you remember as a coach just banging on the table, being like, "I really like this this, this draft prospect coming out that really worked out for you guys." Um, you know, Shaq Leonard is a guy that we we did a lot of work on with uh, you know the guys in Indy and. And uh, it certainly took a, uh, some time for us to get there because, you know, when a guy comes from a smaller school, um, you know, you have to look at different tape. And we certainly looked at the tape when he played Clemson and made a lot of, lot of tackles um, and had a heck of a game. So that certainly showed he could play up at this level. And, uh, but we did our work on him. And, uh, you know, he's a, an outstanding young man. And, of course, he's a, a fierce competitor. And he's going to have a great comeback here this year. So. What are your favorite, like, pro day stops? Like, is there a certain – town or school you like visiting again is it alabama seeing nick saban again yeah that was that's very enjoyable for me because of my relationship with coach saban um got a chance to speak with him on the field there for about 10 minutes and uh i certainly enjoy that because i don't get a chance to meet with him in person as much as i would like uh but uh i certainly enjoyed that our time and you really at the pro days you really just glean one more inch of information uh, if you're talking to the head coach or the defensive coordinator, or if you're just really just watching the guy, the way he moves, the way he catches, um, you just might glean one more inch of information that helps you say yes, helps you say no, and or just table it till you know, just keep on working on that on that particular prospect. What do you remember uh, about playing for Saban? And is there anything like from that experience that 
really sticks out to you now as you're coaching younger players? Yeah, so uh, you know, I was only with him one year um, as a, as he came in there as his first year as a head coach, and uh, you know, we won the championship, and just the way he set the standards of how we practice, how we are focused in meetings, how we finish plays, and uh, those are the inches that matter in the game of football. You know, it's always a game of inches. Well, those inches are that you, you uh, get those inches in practice in your standardization of the way you uh, finish plays, the way you hustle um, and the way you focus during that. Cause it's all in the preparation, right? So how you prepare is how you're going to play. We have all said that, but that's true. And you got to be mindful of that as a coach. And that's what coach Saban taught me in that short time period with him, just by me observing him and being in that system. So that sounds so familiar to other coaches than as that you went on and worked with. I mean, you've talked a lot about Rod Marinelli, your relationship with Lovey Smith. Is that is that just sort of how it works? Like certain coaches sort of philosophically fall in line with coaches that believe the same things? Yeah, no doubt. And I was fortunate, you know, uh, and I said this before that, uh, you know, at Kent State back when Don James was there, there was three coaches on that team when they won the MAC championship. It was Coach Saban. My head uh, high school coach, Pat Cachardo, they were defensive backs, and a tight end on that team was Gary Pinkle, who just got into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I had, a, uh, you know, was fortunate to be able to work for or play for all three of those guys. And every what they have, all three of them have the same attribute, and that's attention to detail. And they have an intensity and a focus about them that's unparalleled. So, uh, to me, that's what you're always trying to. I, I always had, I've always said this that I had great examples to go by. By watching those guys, either through coaching for them or or playing for them, and uh, I was fortunate that way. Do you have a favorite Nick Saban story? One that you like to share that maybe maybe embodies your memory or, or who he was as a coach? To, to yeah, um, you know, we were at winter conditioning, and we would start certain drill. You know, we had sixteen stations of winter conditioning, and he would go through. And if you didn't run uh, run from one drill to the next when the horn blew. If somebody was jogging or straggling behind, he blew a double horn. That means you had to go back to your original station and blow the horn again and make sure you ran to the next station. So that was always about hustle. It was always about pushing the player past where he couldn't take himself and really working on his mental and physical stamina. And uh, that's what he created in that environment. I'm interested because obviously Saban and Belichick are close. They've, you know they've become close over the years. They have they've they, they've even done some interviews together and some fun shows that right. are like really interesting just to watch them get together with their brilliant football minds. It it definitely caught my attention this season when you guys went into New England and won that game. That Belichick not only things he said during the week leading up to the game because he does that a lot. He talks up to the, a lot the team, but like it really seemed like you guys had a moment at the end of that game that there was a a very obvious level of respect there. Did you feel that way? And what is your relationship like with him um it's you know that what i felt after the game was obviously respect and admiration for coach belichick um you know because of the all the accomplishments that he's had uh during the course of his career and the example he he sets you know for playing clean sound football and uh, all the championship team teams that he's coached and um so that was just from my perspective uh and we just really shared at the end hey it was a hard fought game he really was complimentary of the way we're doing our our business the way our team played that night and uh you know so you can't say enough good things about coach Belichick in terms of finding the, those inches where maybe players or prospects start to differentiate themselves how do you think the putt putt and the, the darts went with 
with players now that you look back on it. Yeah, you know, that's just really a way to put players at ease, you know, ease their mind coming into it, take their mind off of, hey, I got to answer a bunch of questions. I'm going to get grilled during this video session. And it's really for them just to sit back and, hey, this is a fun moment for them. You know, there's only going to be so many times, they, you know, one time they come to the combine, you know, we're only going to interview them that way and one time in, the, you know, in that setting. So um, we thought it worked really well. And, you know, the players commented on it. You heard them talk about it. And I thought it's a good strategy. Did they all learn that you're very good at golf as well? <laughs> well, I, because I'm the head coach, I have a, I have a, you know, the way to delegate things. So <laughs> I was not always putting, you know, Ian Cunningham did hit a bomb putt one time. Um, so we have some good golfers on our staff, so it was it was pretty good. A couple of good dart throwers, you know. Uh, Getsy's a heck of a dart thrower. Everybody from Pittsburgh can throw a dart, so it's <laughs> just the way it is. Did, did did the golf games suffer at all being a first year head coach, and is it recovering at all, or did you still manage no, to keep still, that up? It's still suffering. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it was good when I was a linebacker coach, but then when I became a coordinator. It went down a little bit. Handicap went up. And then uh, now that I'm a head coach, it keeps going up. So, But that's fine. It's part of the business. And uh, certainly enjoy watching the game, get a chance to play it once in a while. But it's always fun. Do you do you have any hole-in-ones in your career? I got one hole-in-one. Really? Where was it at? It's a, it's a place I think it's closed. It was in Columbus, Ohio, 1994. It was at Hickory Hills Country Club. It was 194 yards, par three. I hit it left of the pin, 10 feet. And it just went, rolled right into the middle of the cup. And uh, it was a pretty exciting moment. Did you throw your club? How'd you how'd you celebrate that one? I, I actually ran to the hole and I forgot that I was riding a cart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was twenty four years old, so I I was in pretty good shape at the time. So uh yeah, so it was fun. What's it like golfing with, with with Ryan Poles? I imagine he hits bombs, but like as a connection between coach and GM. I no, imagine it's kind of, sorry. Yeah, it's really good being able to go and, and play around a golf with Ryan. Um, you know, we had our first chance to do it a few weeks back and uh you know, you just, you know, have fun. You know, we're, we're sitting there talking about the game and what would you do here? What would you do there? How you manage the hole and and uh, just spending time out there together. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And, yeah, he can hit a bomb. He's, uh, he's a really good off the tee and can really hit him long. How much have you enjoyed, after all the years you spent on the defensive side of the ball, getting involved in some offensive decisions? Like one thing you mentioned this morning that, that stood out to me was Nate Davis. And it's like, duh, oh, yeah, you, you you went against them twice a year yeah. and you had to scheme against them from that side of the ball. Now you get to bring them over. I mean, how much has that been enjoyable for you? Well, that's really enjoyable. And I think you we uh, take information from everybody when we're looking at a player. And, in, you know, oftentimes and many times we, we go to the opposition. You know, what did you think about this defensive player? We'll ask our offensive staff and vice versa with the, with the defensive staff because those are the guys that have to go against them. You know, what's special about this player? Is he really a handful? Is he a guy you have to circle? Um, you know, so it, we always do that, and I think that's really important to do. How does that apply to maybe DJ Moore, like when he comes up in those trade conversations? Right. Like how does he tilt the field from your defensive perspective? Yeah, so, you know, when you have – the more weapons you have on offense and the more skill sets you have, uh, it's just harder to defend just in general and then certainly in situational football. You know, it really is hard to defend, and uh, DJ's one of those guys. And I think when you have a guy over there, it's harder to defend, a you know, a Tunyon or, or a Cole or if you have, a, the, the, you know, the receivers all over here and a tight end opposite, that creates a big, big mismatch uh, for the defense. Tanya's another local kid. Yep. Um, and Ryan mentioned this yesterday that he he believes there's something to that. Do you guys share that same philosophy that playing for your hometown team 
can bring a little bit of extra passion. I, yeah, I you forget can, how he exactly put it, but he, yeah. seemed, he said there's something to that. You can feel that, you know, with, uh, you know, Tanya, Bobby came in and then, you know, TJ came in and certainly when Sanborn was, you know, uh, you know, we're doing through the draft process last year, you can feel the energy and the love for the Bears um, just because it, from this high, you know, they were, they, you know, they, they were like monsters of the midway and that was a big deal to them. And uh, you can certainly feel that passion. I think it's a good thing. You know, if they're a good player and they're a homegrown guy, and I say, yeah, let's bring them in. If they fit, let's do it. How excited was the the linebackers coach in you to see Tremaine Edmonds available, to see TJ, TJ Edwards available, yep. but then not to see them be available, but then to go after them, successfully sign them? Like, take us through your feelings on that. Yeah, so, you you know, you go through the process, um, you know, through free agency, and we watch all the tape, you know, and we, then we stack them up, you know, and obviously those guys are at the top of our board. And uh, it's a rare occasion that you can get the top of your board, um, you know, in free agency. But we were in position, you know, this year. And I, I talked about it, you know, last night that uh, it's really cool because we had all this money available to us in free agency um, the second year. Meaning that, you know, we were able to be with each other for a year, meaning the scouting staff and the coaching staff and really all of our staff of what we want our players to look like, you know, from, you know, mind, body and spirit. You know, what do we want a Chicago Bear to be? And uh, we certainly have a good core group of young guys that we already have on our team that have that spirit. Uh, but uh, to be able to acquire these 11 players, either through trade or through, you know, free agency so far, um, it's been really cool because we're more in line now than we were a year ago at this time. You've, you've mentioned mind, body, spirit before. Which of those three is the hardest to to figure out before a player actually gets into your building. Yeah, I think, uh, well, every person's, you know, different, which which we welcome that. You know, we want people to be themselves. We want them to bring their energy that they bring. And it's our job as coaches when we evaluate a player, if we're going to bring them in to, to get a feel for all three of those aspects. Um, and so I think it's just really about reading the player, talking to them. And when you build a relationship with them, you can kind of feel that over time. And then as a coach – the, the creativity as a coach is to be able to maximize that player's ability through those three avenues to get the product on the field to look the best that it can. And uh, I think you really have to work with the player in all three aspects to be able to get that done. When you look for spirit on tape, like what do you want that to, to look like? You talk about high burn guys, high motor guys. Like yep. it, it sounds simple enough, but like they're not all the same, are they? No, and uh, you got to look at that. So we want to bring a guy that loves football. You know, that's what I, I said that at the combine, and he has passion on the football field. So when you look at that number, you, it shows on tape. He just jumps off the tape and says, "Man, that guy plays with high energy, plays with high focus." And you know, then you get into hey, the functional intelligence of the position, movement skills, and all those things, and then you select the player. And uh, I think that's the process we're going through now when we go to our thirty visits. You know, we bring the guys in. We've had a couple of those already, and uh, we really got to dig into the player and, and really gather all the information that we can so we do pick a player that has great mind, body, and spirit. I imagine as a former linebackers coach, you really appreciated what Jack Sanborn brought to your defense last year. Just a lot of those things you were just talking about, showing up on tape, yep. his instincts. What what were those conversations like, though, after you added two other linebackers and I mean, he could have made an easy case to, to you know, be your starting Mike again this year, and now he'll probably move back to the Sam. Just what, what were those like? How did he take that? I know he's excited to play with TJ again, but. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he, he's well, he's a pro. He's a pro's pro, and uh, he's he's going to work and, and do his thing. He understands that, you know, he's going to have playing time, 
you know, in our defense for sure because he does have quickness, instincts, and strike. And uh, he's phenomenal that way. And uh, we just really added value to our football team. And that's what our job is. You know, Ryan and myself is to add value to the team. And that's about acquiring more talent. Uh, the more talent we have on, on, the, uh, on the field um, and the more we play to our standard, uh, doing it the Bears way, uh, good things are going to happen. You mentioned those those top thirty visits. How do you how do you run them? Like, take us inside. Like, what are some of your go to questions? I, I imagine that differs by player, but how is take us through your process for those right. interviews? Yeah, so you know, they, obviously, they meet with various people in our building. That's important to meet with the coordinator, position coach, and go through the X and O's. We teach them things, and they got to teach them back to us. And I think that's important to really discern what their where their FBI is. Um, where their baseline is and where we can take them to um, in terms of that uh, functional intelligence. And then really it's getting to know the person, you know, getting to know him. Has he got great team ability? Does he fit him with his teammates? Um, you know, and then what's going to be his role, you know, going forward into our football team. Um, and then, you know, you do some fun things with him. You quiz him on certain things about the Bears and the Bears history and see if he can remember those types of things. But uh, and we have a fun way of doing that. But uh, um, You're not going to reveal it? Do you have the quiz on No, you? because I'd be giving the answers <laughs> away to the guys. Oh, yeah. If we only had two or three of them, there'd be, what, 27 guys came in that would know the answers <laughs> to the test. So we They're all definitely sure. listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of local kids who yeah. might get oh, drafted. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or their dads are listening or something like that. Um, you know, I... Where I guess you you've talked you and Ryan's talked about loosening them up and the putt putt and all that, but like that can't be easy to actually loosen them up because this is a really long job interview. It seems like there's more success with that maybe when they actually come into the facility, but um, like is and and how much does that matter? Like if a guy is still uptight, does that is that is that still something that? You don't like to see? You want to see them uh, well, loosen I mean, up a little bit? Yeah, I think loosen up. Uh, you know, some guys are just wired with a with an intensity and focus. Um, I remember I had uh, Sean Lee, you know, from Penn State when I was doing when I was back with Dallas. He was so intense and so focused. That's just who he is. You know, it's it's not to say that he wasn't relaxed because he was. He's very confident in his ability and he's uber smart. You know, it's one of the smartest players I've ever coached, but. Um, you know, he was just that way and that's his put together. You know, that's what I'm talking about. You got to be able to evaluate the man, you know, how he was put together and, you know, his upbringing is a big part of that, but just, you know, how he's wired and that's okay. You know, you know, you welcome that. Like I said, we want all, all players to be themselves and a good player looks and acts uh, differently. You know, there's, it comes in all shapes and sizes and you have to be able to evaluate that as an, as a, uh, as a pro staff, you know, coaching staff and a scouting department. If you want to, to get some analysis or, or some information on their podcasting skills, we could come to Alice Hall. You know, I think it's we're the, we're the only Bears podcast with coaching experience yeah. <laughs> at some level. So we, at least a we, little bit. We, we, we can, can make that a stop in the thirty visit for sure. There yeah. we go. There yeah. we go. You only get five minutes, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair bang, enough. Bang bang. I, I I'm trying to figure out who's who's who would want to wear the number zero. Like I'm picturing like a fullback, like Kinkari Blasting Game, wear wear number zero. I, I don't. It's going to look weird no matter who's doing it, but I'm just trying to picture in my head who on the Bears it w- where it would actually look kind of cool. We'll see. Any ideas? Yep. yep. Time will tell. I'm not, I'm not sure who's uh, who's wanting that, but we'll see. It's Kicker definitely way. not a linebacker number. <laughs> no. Well, no, and apparently the offensive lineman and defensive lineman can't wear it, right? Right. Did I read that right? Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Coach, we appreciate your time. I know it's been a busy day with all the meetings and stuff, uh, but it was fun talking to you this morning too. And we always, I know our listeners. 
definitely appreciate uh, you jumping on the podcast. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, well, we greatly appreciate Flu sitting down with us. Biggest takeaways? His influence is kind of paramount yeah. at, at this point. I don't want to overstate it, but it's it's there. It's there in the evaluations. It's there in the free agency signings. He's getting what he wants, and Ryan Poles is is all bored uh, for this right now. Yeah, and that's I think that's the key thing. They're you, together, I should yeah, say. Yeah, you hear Ryan. I mean, Ryan's really the one who started – started talking this up himself and his recent interviews, including yesterday when we talked to him. And um, that's why I really wanted to dive in with him a little bit in some of where that comes from, because Ryan mentioned Fluce's recruiting days in college and just all that background information that they have to gather when they're going through all that. A lot of it translates to the NFL, especially because they actually look at you know how a, they Paul said that yesterday. They look at how a player handled their rec, their recruiting yes, days when yeah. they were in high all school. the way back to high school. Yeah. yeah, and not all coaches have this experience. Mark, I don't think Mark Tressman did. I don't think I know Matt Nagy didn't because all his coaching was at a, a pro level. Yeah. So to have this be part of your draft evaluations, I think it carries serious weight. It's significant in terms of finding those inches that Matt Eberflus talked about, separating the the good prospects from maybe the great ones or the, the average ones when they all look the, the same in terms of a physical profile, if they all have the same 40 time or in the same range of certain measurables. And Flu said in his breakfast this morning that, the, I mean, the coaching day right now with his coaches being at Alice Hall, they're working on football in the morning and scouting in the afternoon. Yeah. So they're, I mean, they're really involving everyone in this process and, and, Taking in all their backgrounds and experiences. I, I like how you noticed, because I picked up on this too, the mind, body, and spirit. It's part of their evaluation. I, I know the Bears are big on their buzzwords, and you know they have their acronyms and whatnot, but those are such important like staples of, of an organization just in terms of having everybody on the same page of what you're looking for. Simple words like that. It keeps everybody on the same page. It helps evaluations, helps enhance them, especially when you have prospects grouped together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I hope everyone enjoyed that that part of the conversation. Uh, we haven't had a chance yet to get together and talk about the things that were discussed yesterday, too. I mean, what stood out to you about what Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren had to say? Well, I want to go back to maybe the David Montgomery conversation because yeah. it seems like the, the Bears thought they had a very competitive offer in terms of keeping David Montgomery, and then he, he decides to sign. It doesn't just leave him free agency. He joins the Detroit Lions. Yeah. And even when we asked Ryan Poles about that, he kind of – Careful, there's someone right there. Lions, the Lions right here. Lions walk, walk, walking by. Um, 
he chuckled at that because he knows. All of a sudden, Dan Campbell comes from out of nowhere. <laughs> yes. Sit down right here. <laughs> with, with, a giant, with a giant Starbucks. Jane Hogan. throws it at two, you. Two of them. <laughs> uh, join Hogan Johns. Come aboard. Um, but yes, David Montgomery is going to run so physically violent against the Bears in those two matchups. Like, you could just hear the collisions right now. But Ryan Poles, just talking to him. He, he knows it's coming. It's like, yeah. the Bears got to be prepared for that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean... Because, I mean, if he left on his, I guess he'll still have that chip on his shoulder anyway. But it's yeah. not like the Bears didn't want him, right? And then he signed with Detroit. That then I could see him really running angry. But that's just his style to begin with. That's why they liked him. That's why I was kind of surprised to see him go. I thought that with the running back market the way it was, that they would have found some type of a, an agreement. But as Poles put it, you know, the player has a choice, choice too. Yeah, and yeah. and. and, and Sometimes they want to go and somewhere now else. we have another revenge game narrative. Um, yes. the two. Other, two. Two, yeah. yes, two. Another thing that stood out to me from the Ryan Poles conversation is that how he knows there's a hole at right tackle. He knows the offensive line needs help. But at this point in free agency, it is what it is. The salaries aren't the same. The players aren't the same. The talent level, to use his words, just, just isn't the same. Maybe some things work out after the draft. But at this point, it's full, full steam ahead to the draft to find that that tackle for the offense. Well, and I think that's going to be one of the most fascinating parts of the draft this year is they really have been patient and they're they've come out and said like who cares if we have linebackers already if that's the best guy we can get the right position and Flush just talked about it with us here, you know, they they're just they're here to get good football players. Yeah. And, and that's the bottom line regardless of what position they necessarily play now they certainly have their giant depth chart up on the boards at all given moment and they realize where the holes are but I just wonder you you bring up that need at at right tackle you know I think it's just a need in general at tackle well I I guess what I'm getting is it I'm, I'm not changing my philosophy at all my head analyzing the draft I'm not saying like Oh well, they definitely need a right tackle. That's who they're targeting in the first round. No, because no. I don't get that sense. That's not how they've operated, and I don't anticipate on that changing. So what you're saying, if Paris Johnson Jr. is the best left tackle, he's drafted at number nine, and he's better than Braxton Jones, then Braxton yeah. Jones, you have to move the right tackle. Yeah. And, and Matty Flus, not in our conversation earlier on this podcast, but at breakfast, yeah, though nobody was eating at the, <laughs> the circle table we we're all <laughs> sitting at, um, suggested as much that that's a, a possibility. Yeah, like he's not just cemented in at the left side. I don't. I don't get the sense that they want to do that. I just get the sense that their philosophy is we're just going to add the best players and then figure it out from there. Yeah, we're it, not going to pass on a player because we already have somebody playing that position. And I just think that's a really smart way about going about building a football. You, you team. just saw that play out with right guard. Yeah, you add Nate Davis, even though you feel good about what Tevin Jenkins gave to you, you still have some questions about durability. But you know what? One of the best guards available. You need help in the trenches, especially from the inside outside protection. Now you can move. Tevin Jenkins on the left side. Yeah. We'll continue to do, you know, shows from here and there where they fit on the stadium and as that as that comes together. But with Kevin Warren, I mean, that was a lot of the conversation yeah. yesterday, understandably so. Not, I, I didn't really think there was anything, you know, new to the table. The, the reality is he, he's been doing a lot of background information, having these regular meetings, but he hasn't really implemented any change no. or had any, you know, significant say over anything. That's all going to start April seventeenth, and it, 
I imagine just get understanding his demeanor, he's going to hit the ground running right away. But at this point, the only thing that's changed since January is they closed on the land. I, I thought one interesting nugget he did say yesterday is typically once you put a shovel in the ground, it'll take 36 months. Because everybody wants a timeline. Yeah, yeah. It'll take 36 months. But the question is, he has no idea right now when that shovel goes in the ground no, because no. there's so much political stuff to figure out. That being said, the money, the taxes. It's the, there is one significant thing. The messaging could have legally changed since they closed on the land before they weren't allowed to even talk about a different place. And he made it very clear yesterday, even though the land's been closed and they could entertain something else now from a legal standpoint, it's still about Arlington. Yeah, Heights. it's still Arlington, but you're right, you're right. He may hit the ground running come April, but that ground isn't being yeah. <laughs> broken. He's not running in the ground in Arlington. There's going to be a racetrack there for a little bit. Yes, yes. Dick because isn't going anywhere <laughs> for, for the time being. So anything else before we wrap up here? No, you can tell he's excited. Matty Bufloos is excited about his two linebackers. I think they came through at breakfast this morning in our conversations here. Uh, I think they have uh, a, a player in Demarcus Walker who could do different things. But, yes, a general sense of excitement in terms of what they've added. Like players they think they could fit not only like on the field, but that intangible sense Yes, that they're looking for as well. Yeah, and you heard Flus talk on about that with us. I mean, it really is about the fit and they, they, they don't, they don't seem like the type of guys that are just going to say, you know, at the 11th hour with some random free agent who's on the table, oh, let's just bump it up and let's get this done. Yeah, no, no. They're not taking those risks. Maybe that'll change over time as they get, you know, closer and closer to having a winner, but, um, it's still that long-term view right now. Yeah, they had some lines they were not going to cross in, in free agency. And then just like the general mood of, of, of the team here in Phoenix with everybody here, for a team that had three wins, they're really like, I, I know Kevin Warren used the word like calm, or Ryan Poles used the word calm. There seems to be a sense of, call it satisfaction or confidence in where things are headed, especially after trading the first overall pick. Yeah. Confidence is a good word. I think both the GM and the head coach give that off yes. quite clearly. And um, we'll see if the results follow. We've got a lot of a lot of time before that we see we see get to see football again. Yeah. But uh, although not too long, OTAs will be here in next month, a little bit, two months. Well, May. right after the draft, will be the, the rookie rook, mini camp. Rookie mini camp will start. We'll see players out there. So it'll be fun, and we'll, of course, have you covered. Make sure you're checking out all of uh, the coverage from here, too, as well. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, allchgo.com as well. Um, and we'll have plenty more. I'm actually technically off the rest of the week. I'm staying down here a couple extra days, but Kevin's going to be with you, I think, on Thursday for another episode. Yes. And uh, so they'll have a lot more coming up on Thursday. And then we are, not that it isn't already draft season, but we're going now it's diving into draft season as soon as we're done with the owners yes a lot of good guests coming up absolutely so uh make sure you're following us on twitter as well and the merch is all up at obviousshirts.com appreciate everybody watching us here from phoenix and um these guys will give you a little bit more on thursday see ya hey what's up flus 